0: Well, howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org.
1: I'm Ed Buford with Rockin' Bee Land and Cattle in Huntington, Texas. And we're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture, Texas Ag Today.
3: Hello Texas, I've got another episode of Texas Ag Today ready to roll for you. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas wheat planting is right on schedule. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
1: The West Texas Mesonet is an important source of weather information for Texas High Plains producers I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about the continued expansion of the mezzanette system.
3: On today's program, the role of beef in a healthy, sustainable diet. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas wheat producers are right on schedule getting the new crop in the ground. The latest Texas crop progress and condition report shows Texas wheat now 78% planted with 60% emerged. Russell Baining plants a mixture of winter pastures on his beef and dairy operation south of San Antonio.
4: We do mostly oats and wheat with a little bit of ryegrass. Uh, and it looks really good. And, and it just in the last month got that way uh, because, like I said, up until mid-October, uh, we were very dry. Now, we had caught a little bit of rain, uh, but not very much. So, But right now things are, are looking good. Could use another rain because we're not extremely wet, uh, but, but things are looking pretty good.
3: The quality of this year's wheat crop is much improved over this same time last year. Here's the latest crop ratings showing 44% of the Texas wheat crop rated good to excellent, 37% fair, and 19% poor to very poor. The Texas Farm Service Agency is sending out ballots this week for county FSA committee elections.
5: This week, the U.S. Department of Agriculture will begin mailing ballots for Farm Service Agency County and Urban County Committee elections to eligible agricultural producers and landowners. FSA County Committee members help make important decisions about how federal farm programs are administered locally. FSA Administrator Zach Ducheneau says these committees provide an opportunity for producers to play a meaningful role in delivering farm programs, and he hopes everyone who receives a ballot takes a few minutes to cast their vote and return it to their local FSA office in person or through the mail. To be eligible to vote in an FSA county committee election, producers must participate or cooperate in an FSA program. Ballots must be returned to the FSA office or postmarked by December 4th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel.
3: The Texas peanut harvest is a bit ahead of schedule this year, but we are the last state in the nation to harvest our crop. USDA's Brad Rippy. We have seen a bit of a struggle in some of the drought-affected areas due to hard soils with the harvest. But even in those driest areas, producers have been picking up the pace, again, to match that five-year average. As we look at the progress, all eight reporting states now past the halfway mark. Slowest is Texas at 56% harvested. That is two points ahead of the five-year average. Peanut crop conditions here in Texas looking fairly good this year. 37% of the crop rated good to excellent, 55% rated fair, and only 8% of the Texas peanut crop rated poor to very poor. The West Texas Mesonet is an important source of weather information for Texas High Plains farmers and ranchers. James Hunt tells us the Mesonet system is expanding.
1: The number of weather data collection sites included in the West Texas Mesonet system now totals 155. The Mesonet's operations manager, Wes Burgett, says he tries to add about eight or nine new sites each year around the region with a major focus on filling the voids in the northern Texas panhandle.
6: We've put a station within the last year up at Tex line just inside the state line there. Within the last two years, we've done one northeast of Sunray. Uh, up at the Stratford area. I'm trying to work on a station with Wheeler County to put one a few miles west of Wheeler and hope to get that worked out early next year.
1: Burgett says he would also like to eventually have a site near Perryton. Burgett says he hears from people nearly every day who would like a mezzanette station for their area, but the process toward installing one takes some time because of the cost involved.
6: These stations are very expensive. They're over $25,000 a piece, so it takes me a long time to get funding to do one.
1: Burgett says that cost makes it essential to have partners like county governments or private citizens to help fund new sites.
6: Everything I do is a handshake. I try and make it work that way, but I'm willing to put them anywhere as long as we can make it work from a studying perspective we tend to put these out in the middle of nowhere. We want them in a field to get the best wind data but we don't want to impact agriculture operations. Maybe a corner of an irrigation pivot potentially that might work but we don't want to put it in the middle of a field that somebody's farming. So ideally to me there's not a lot of trees in Panhandle or Lubbock area so it's usually fine wherever you find a spot. A nice CRP grass field would be fine.
1: The West Texas Mesonet is a valuable resource for Texas High Plains ag producers. In our next report, we'll talk about improvements to Mesonet's information services. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
3: The Texas Beef Council is promoting the role of beef in a healthy and sustainable diet. Tom Nicoletti has more. Molly McAdams is back on the program again today. Molly is executive vice president of the Texas Beef Council based in Austin. Now, what is the role of beef in a healthy, sustainable diet?
7: So when when I think about a healthy and a sustainable diet, you know, there's there's a lot that goes with it. But sustaining human health is really the basis of all sustainability efforts. So part of it is making sure that whether you're an athlete and you're trying to put muscle on, for example... Or you want to grow old gracefully and with strength, beef has a very important role to play in human health. But we'll be continuously challenged well beyond the idea that beef is a very high quality protein. We're going to be continuously challenged to prove that cattle are part of a sustainable solution for animal protein. And so we're working on this on, on both fronts, making sure that people know that beef is healthy for them, but it's also good for the planet, it's good for the animal, and ultimately, of course, that it's good for people to consume. So with Texas Beef Council, you know, we're we're proud to be in a state that raises a tremendous amount of cattle. There's no question about that. But agriculturalists in general are so important to our state. And our job at the Texas Beef Council is to focus on Texans and promote beef through either research or education on behalf of the cattle ranchers in our state and we take that job very seriously and thank you molly for being our guest today It is my pleasure thank you so much that is molly mcadams she is executive
3: vice president of the texas beef council i'm tom nicoletti at the texas farm bureau radio network we now head out to the southern plains to visit with eddie griffiths in the lubbock area eddie how's the cotton harvest going in your area
0: Well, we received anywhere from two and a half to a little over three inches in some of my locations, and farmers are slowly getting back into the field. If they have cotton ready to harvest, they're getting back out there and starting to strip that cotton again. We also received a killing freeze, so we'll be waiting week two weeks to get out there and, and uh, start getting that cotton out that maybe did not have any harvest aids on it we'll try to get this crop out of the field pretty wet in some locations if it's sandier they're able to get out there a little quicker than other parts of the country but the main thing is to get this crop out into the gin
3: well lady you said you had a killing freeze how cold did it get
0: well i know anywhere from 25 28 degrees and we've had a couple of days of that so That should be enough to go ahead and eliminate a lot of the the regrowth
3: out there and some of the cotton that wasn't terminated earlier. That's Eddie Griffiths in West Texas.
5: The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department will soon accept public comment on three proposed new chronic wasting disease surveillance zones. I'm Jessica Domewell, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag today.
3: And Yoni's disease is a serious disease in goats. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Ag Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org.
4: We're giving you the market information you need
3: on Texas Ag Today. Yoni's disease can be very serious in goats. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look. Although it is pronounced Yoni's, the disease name starts with a J and
8: is spelled J-O-H-N-E apostrophe S. It is a bacterial disease that causes chronic wasting in mostly middle-aged animals, and any goat that dies from chronic wasting should be checked for Yoni's disease by having your veterinarian perform a postmortem exam. Yoni's is usually spread from a dam to their kids as the mothers usually have the organism on their udder and exposes the babies early in life as they are the most susceptible. The organism can last a year in the soil and can be found in parasitic larvae, which increases the spread of the organism. Most goats do not shed the organism until they start wasting away. So an early diagnosis and removal from the herd is important, as many of them have diarrhea at this point and can easily contaminate the environment. There are two different blood tests for the disease, and there are some differences in the test, but your veterinarian will know the most accurate test to use in your situation. It is recommended to test all goats older than one year, and a large herd that has all negative tests is very likely not infected. Retesting in a year is recommended, and if still negative, ask your veterinarian about recommendations for retesting. In a large herd with a few positive tests, we know the organism is in the herd, so remove positive goats and retest in one year. If 5-10% to 10% of the herd is positive, it is recommended to test at 6-month intervals to find the positives and decrease the percentage of infection. Yonis is a serious disease, and all goat breeders should attempt to
3: eliminate it from their herd. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department will soon take public comments on three proposed new chronic wasting disease surveillance zones. Jessica Domel has more details in today's wildlife report.
5: Due to new detections of chronic wasting disease, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is proposing the creation of at least two, and potentially three, new CWD surveillance zones. If approved by the Parks and Wildlife Commission after a public comment period, the zones would be created in Medina and Kimball counties. Alan Kane, TPWD's Big Game Program Director, says the two-mile proposed zone in Kimball County would be near the Kimball and Edwards County line near Telegraph. That's southwest of Junction.
0: On August 21 of this year, a suspect positive female white-tailed deer was detected in a captive breeding facility as a result of antemortem testing in Kimball County. In response to the confirmation of this positive deer on September 7th, the department established a surveillance zone around the positive facility through emergency rule.
5: TPWD's proposal would replace the emergency rule. The zone would impact 83 properties, encompassing about 90,000 acres.
0: Hunters in the proposed zone are able to utilize a drop box at the entrance of South Landau River State Park to drop off heads for CBD sampling, or they could take the head to a manned check station in Segovia, the
5: proposed zone in Medina County would be southwest of Dunlay, south of Highway 90, and east of 173.
0: On October 11th this year, a suspect positive male whitetail deer was detected in a captive breeding facility as a result of antimortem testing, and that deer was confirmed positive on October 19th. This zone encompasses about 21,000 acres and includes about 110 landowners that are partially are wholly contained within that zone. Hunters in that this proposed zone, if adopted, would be able to take deer to the man check station in Honda.
5: There is potential for a third CWD zone, this one in Cherokee County. That's if a suspected case of the fatal neurological deer disease is confirmed there.
0: We had a suspect positive in a 52-month-old male whitetail deer. We would proposed to establish a two-mile surveillance zone just southeast of Jacksonville. It encompasses about 13,000 acres and 436 properties. We're still waiting on the confirmation from that Cherokee County deer, but assuming that comes in prior to this being published, then we include that.
5: The zone proposals will be published in the Texas Register and open for public comments. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domo.
3: It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
4: Well,
0: howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org.
4: We're giving you the market information you need
3: on Texas Ag today. It was another day of massive drops in cattle futures on Thursday, both live and feeder cattle taking big drops in the red. December live cattle dropped 505 to close at 17435. February dropped $5, 17447, with April live cattle down 467, 17695 bigger losses in the feeder market. November feeders dropped 5.55 at 229 even. January feeders down 7.85, 224.92, while March feeder cattle dropped 7.75, 227.25. Cash fed cattle market seeing some light trade, things starting to pick up for the week on Thursday. Sales here in the Southern Plains were at mostly 181. That's 4 bucks lower compared to last week. In the northern plains, dressed sales were at 287, which is five bucks lower than the previous week. Boxed beef was mixed: Thursday choice up 30 cents, 299.05; select down 54 at 270.49. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble, Benny Cox, producers, and Cargile sold sheep and goats on Tuesday, Benny. How'd that thing go in
9: San Angelo? Well, it got along good. We had right at forty six hundred, which is a, a, a pretty good number for this time of year. Of course, last week it was awful sharp. Um, we we sold a few wool lambs, not hardly enough to talk about. It they were they were sharply lower, but that was to be expected. The slaughtered lambs, these hair sheep type, they were twenty some of them, as much as forty dollars lower. Most the on those middle to heavyweight uh, classes. Um, the uh, slaughter ewes they sold from week to three dollars lower. Uh, we've been talking about that; they can't get off the bottom floor. Uh, kid goats they sold near steady. That was surprising to me because they had a Big jump last week. Uh, quality was pretty good on those kids. Uh, looking at the slaughter nannies, they bring from eighty to one forty. Most of them kind in that one hundred five to one twenty one. Uh, some of those old big, big uh, boar nannies, big, really good flesh, kind of straight barrels would be the ones that bring over that dollar twenty. Most everything else well under that. The Billy's uh, one sixty to two dollars. The the couple of hair sheep, or wool sheep type that we did sell sell from two to twenty to uh, or so <clears throat> to about two twenty six, I believe. Then we had those light into those slaughtered uh, lambs that were hair sheep type from. Uh, 220 to 314, the heavier weights from 210 up to 231. Last week some of those rang like 260, I believe. Uh, on the slaughter ewes, they sell from 55 to 82, mostly 61 to 70. Kid goats sold in range from $2 all the way up to 355, but mostly 272 to 335 on those that we're surely going to processing. And then you've got some of those feeder kids that sold up as high as uh, 425, and they're planning. out. Of course, they'll feed them into a higher market, of course. So those would be those little old 35, 40 pound things. Good. Any news on the cattle sale front? And we got about one hundred and thirty. Or 40 right now. We do have a advertised uh, special special sale selling junction a re- re- regular Thursday. So a lot of times that'll gather you know a few cattle. I just don't know where they'd actually come from. But right. uh, I think it'll be a shy I think it'll be shy of a thousand again this week. Well tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Benny Cock. They can call me on my mobile. It's three two five-234-4277. The office is the same area code, six five three-three three seven one. Or they can always look at the web, which is producersandcargyle.com. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pens, Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. That's has Cox from producers in
3: Cargill, San Angelo, and you're our neighbor and you're listening to us on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market. Now we're lean hogs close mixed Thursday. December contract down 5,71.45, while February hogs were up 35 at 75.20. Class 3 milk was slightly lower. November milk down 2 cents, 17.13 100 weight, with December milk down 6 at 17.07. The cotton market had a higher close on Thursday, despite the fact that USDA's WASDE report that came out Thursday morning was somewhat bearish for the cotton market. That report showed U.S. cotton production up 273,000 bales to a total of 13.1 million bales, as our lower production here in Texas was more than offset by increases in other areas of the cotton belt. December cotton up 163 points, 76.52, March up 151 at 79.21, May cotton up 104 at 80.13 cents. The grain markets closed lower That WASDE report Thursday morning showed a possible record corn crop for the United States. USDA estimating the size of this year's corn crop at 15.23 billion bushels. If that is true, it would be the largest corn crop in history here in the US. December corn dropped 8 cents to close at 468 a bushel March corn down 7 and a quarter, 482 and 3 quarters. Kansas City wheat took a drop also, December contract down 7 and three quarters, 647 and a quarter, while December Chicago wheat was down 11. And a half, 580 and 3 quarters. In the energy markets, December natural gas down 5 cents at 304. December West Texas crude up 24 at 75.57 a barrel. The financial markets lower. Thursday afternoon, the Dow was down 215 points, 33,897. The NASDAQ down 115 at 13,534. The SP down 32 at 4,350. That wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag
2: Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information,